All right, we are in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Paul tells us in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fact that Paul describes these as the fruit of the Spirit is enormously significant because these qualities aren't things we can conjure up on our own. Instead, they're character qualities that the Holy Spirit builds into our lives as Christians. As we walk with Christ, as we pursue Christ, as we depend upon Christ, And today, we come to the fourth fruit, patience. Now, let's be honest. Patience is difficult. Patience is hard. As a matter of fact, Peter Marshall some years ago said, to wait is harder than work. Really? Harder than work? That's saying something. Patience is, frankly, difficult for me. When I look into my heart, you know what I see? I see that I am a mixed bag. Patience on the one hand and patience on the other. When I went through the darkest period in my life as my first wife, Carol, was fighting a losing battle with cancer, God gave me, I can't explain it to you, the Spirit gave to me extraordinary patience about everything. But when it comes to traffic or the ongoing failure of the Chicago Bears, man, I really struggle. We're watching a Bears game last fall, and Rhonda says, Rob, would you stop throwing carrots at Jay Cutler at the TV? I mean, I'm a mixed bag. I suspect you're the same way, right? Patience is difficult because we have sinful fallen hearts. But there's another reason patience is increasingly difficult for us, and that is we live in an increasingly impatient culture. Our culture makes patience hard. Now, it's not just instant coffee or the microwave or... You know, instant hair replacement if you're losing yours or near instant, you know, weight loss or this instant thing, this instant pleasure. No, it's much become much more pervasive than that. So today, we live in a world of instant communication. We text, we tweet, we Instagram, uh, we Facebook, we FaceTime, and on and on. And we don't have to wait, right? And you know what's really concerning is we don't even have to think. All we have to do is react or take shopping. We used to drive to shop. Now we click to shop. And Google, for example, illustrating how impatient our culture is becoming has found that slowing a search by four-tenths of a second 
results in 8 million less searches in a given day. You talk about total web use. Slow it down, 8 million people drop off. As a matter of fact, 88% who search a particular site and find that slight site to be slow will never return. So today, we sit in front of our computers, these high-speed internet machines that are phenomenal and we all love. And you know what people hear us say? Oh, this is so slow. So slow. Today in our culture, it's cool to be impatient. It's just cool. But the reality is it's killing us. It's creating all sorts of havoc. Let me cite a couple of studies. One is researchers have determined that people in affluent modern cultures are far more negatively impacted by suffering than people in traditional, less affluent cultures. Now, why is that? Well, the reason is that we live in an impatient culture and we don't, frankly, have the categories for time. Uh, for tragedy, for, uh, for difficulty, we got to move on. Now, let me talk about students, young adults. Other studies have uh, discovered that increasingly students and young adults are asking for more and more psychological help. It, you know, it could be anger or, or anxiety or uh, depression or a sense of lostness. And what's going on is suddenly they face a disappointment, they face an uncertainty, and it catapults them into crisis. Now, why? Because in modern impatient cultures, there's no longer any middle ground. And that middle ground has a name. It's called patience. Uh, so today in cultures like ours, uh, the traditional teaching that life is full of ups and downs, that good things take time, that pain is part of the process, that we are not in control is loss. So today what happens increasingly with young adults, I, this isn't me making this up, is that our young adults, when they face opposition, when they face rejection, when they feel stymied, when they feel stuck, uh, man, they go, are catapulted from one extreme to the other because there's no more middle ground called patience. We live in a modern, high-tech, impatient culture, and it's cool to be impatient. Another way to say this is that Instant gratification has eaten delayed gratification for breakfast. What the traditional culture is taught, we aren't teaching. We're not teaching our children. It's just the vibe. We may be teaching them, but it's not what they're experiencing. So what are we to do? Well, here's what I want to do today. I want to point to you to the surpassing beauty of a biblical vision of patience in the life of the believer. 
And I want to move from Galatians 5 to James chapter 5. So grab your Bibles, take a Bible in front of you, turn them on, and let's go to Galatians chapter 5, which just happens to be a key New Testament passage on the subject of patience. And we'll pick it up in Galatians 5 and verse 7. James writes, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Now that's a reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now we read this and think, okay, this is a mistake. Because the Lord hasn't come for 2,000 years. How could James say it's near? Well, what I want you to understand is James isn't saying near in the sense of it's going to happen soon, but near in the sense that it could happen soon. Not that it has to happen or will happen, but that it could happen. And that's true today. It could happen soon. Let's continue verse 9. Don't grumble, and get, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So today I want to do three things. I want to look at what patience is. I'm going to spend my, the bulk of the time here on this first point. Then I want to more quickly look at what patience looks like. And then third, even though this is a fruit of the Spirit, something the Spirit produces in our lives, what part can we play to foster it? Are there pipes we can clean on the interior of our lives? So let's start. What is patience? There are three illustrations here and two words that help unpack what patience is. The first illustration found in the front end, the first paragraph, is the farmer. And the point is patience means we wait. In Palestine, ancient Israel, the rains only came two times a year, autumn and spring. So a farmer would work, work, and work, and then he would wait, 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 and then wait some more. Just like Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, waiting for God to deliver on his promise to them that they would have a son. And they waited 25 years. So what James is telling us, these farmers would work and then wait and wait week after week, month after month for God to deliver on the rain. The second illustration is the prophets. Look at verse 10. What we discover here in the way James organizes this verse is that patience means we accept suffering. As an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets. I mean, think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was nicknamed the weeping prophet. Jeremiah stood for truth. He proclaimed truth. He called Israel to repent from her abandonment of truth. 
Yet Israel refused to listen. The Jewish leadership despised Jeremiah. They tortured Jeremiah. They imprisoned Jeremiah. They hated him. They uh, beat him. But like the prophets, Jeremiah patiently endured his suffering as from the Lord. The third illustration here we see this in verse 11 is Job. Job teaches us patience is perseverance and pursuing God even when we don't understand. Even when the lights go out. I mean, we all know Job's loss was total. His his kids, his income, his wealth, everything. But Job persevered. Now, let me just say parenthetically, patience isn't never being upset. Patience isn't never being frustrated, uh, never being angry, even angry at God. Patience is never giving up on God. That's the illustration of Job. It's bringing your complaints just as Job did, your grumblings, your frustration, your anger to God, and you never stop. So what is patience? Well, well, patience is clinging to God when you don't have answers. Uh, When the lights have gone out. But there's more. Not only do we have these three illustrations, we have two different Greek words here. And the first Greek word that is used means long-suffering. It means you have a long fuse rather than a short fuse. And it's the word translated, patience here, four times in verses 7 through 10. It means you and I, as followers of Christ, don't lash out. We don't attack back. So let me put in the, uh, this in context. We're going to celebrate the 4th of July for the next couple of days. We're all delighted. We're off work, most of us. We're going to gather with family and friends. We're going to chill. We're going to have some fun. We're going to cook out. We're going to see the fireworks. And did I say we're going to relax? You know, and we should. But at the same time, over the next couple of days, let me tell you something else that is going on. God wants to grow you. And God wants to produce patience in your life. So he will bring into your life annoyances. Little ones, medium-sized ones, sometimes big ones. Uh, Disappointments. People over the next couple of days that you love and care about will not meet your expectations. You may be disappointed with the fireworks. And on and on. And when that happens, and it happens every hour of every day that we're awake, you are at a fork in the road called patience. Will I go down the impatience fork? Will I lash out? Will I pout? Or will I say, okay, God... You're in control, I'm not in control, and just as you extended me grace in Jesus Christ, so I will extend it to these turkeys. (laughs) I'm going to give them grace. 
I'm going to love them because you love me and you love them. That's the first word. The second word is found two times in verse 11. It's translated perseverance. Very interesting compound word. It literally means to hyperstand. To stand strong. To stand firm. Because you know God is sovereign. You know God is good. In other words, patience isn't just a virtue, as the saying goes. It's also a strength. It enables you to hyperstand, to stand firm, stand strong. It's something the Holy Spirit does in your life. Now, here's the thing we all need to understand about patience, and I want you to think about this. It took me a while to kind of process this. Patience isn't born in a vacuum. Patience is not possible without facing adversity. Some sort of pain, disappointment. So take delay. You're on a flight, and the flight has been delayed by a couple hours. You're on the tarmac, and it's been delayed. And everybody around you is edgy and crabby, and, and, and their skin's crawling. But you're a follower of Christ, and you're so cheerful that they think you've been drinking. It's patience. But patience doesn't happen in a vacuum. It requires adversity. So it could be a delay. It could be a rejection. It could be a disappointment. It could be an ongoing answered prayer, right? Or a marriage, family, job problem. Patience is not controlling your life so it's problem-free. Patience isn't being emotionless or having a pleasant and quiet disposition like I do. That's a joke. Patience requires difficulty. So now in light of these three illustrations and these two different words, let me give you a definition. What is patience? Patience is graciousness and steadiness in difficulty. Little, medium, big-sized difficulty. Patience is suffering without retaliation. It's putting up with someone you want to put down, you want to squash. It's refusing to brood, to pout, to simmer, to fuss, to be harsh, to be resentful. It's forgiving. It's choosing to forgive. Let me tell you a story. Some years back, a couple months after my wife had died, I was just coming back into the pulpit here at Wheaton Bible Church, and you people, by the way, were just amazing. The love and the care and the goodness we experienced was just incredible. Uh, God's people are, are just wonderful. But when people are in pain and I was bleeding as I was preaching and had to do all these mind games to keep from going there, 
as I'm ministering God's Word, not everyone knows what to say, right? And there's, there's a, a percentage, a smaller percentage of those people that don't want, know what to say when, when the pain is significant, when the pain is enormous, that even though they mean well, they end up saying the wrong thing. And so I had just finished a sermon. I was down in front in the old building, and a guy in our church came up to me, and he's a good guy, uh, great guy, um, all in for Jesus Christ. And here's what he said to me. He said, Rob, my wife was at a retreat this weekend, and I had our kids. I know what you're going through. And all of a sudden, I'm at that fork. So, do I respond? You have no idea what I'm going through. Your wife was a treat for a day and a half. And I honestly, the Spirit descended. And God gave me the grace to say, hey, thanks. And I I appreciate that. and I, I, I get what you mean. Now, a month later, I told him to leave the church. Not really, just kidding. <laughs> but he has moved out. So we're at this fork. Multiple times a day, every hour a day. And do we go down and lash out? Do we strike back? Do we put down? Do we tell people what's going on in our uh, sinful hearts? Or for that matter, do we engage in violence, adultery, pornography? Do we give sway to racism, to road rage? You see, all of that is the volcano. But impatience linked with self-pity, rooted in unbelief, is the lava that flows underneath. Impatience is a big deal. It's It's a huge problem. And today we think impatience is cool. So let me go on now and ask the question quickly, what does it look like in the life of a believer? I want to say three things. First of all, it means you are patient with life, patient with circumstances. This is the point of the farmer. You understand circumstances, situations are out of your control. You get that. It's cancer. It's a health issue. It's a family issue. It's a marriage issue. You're single. You want to be married. Uh, You're married. You want to be single. It's a kid. It's a promotion that doesn't come. It's unemployment that you never saw, you never anticipated. And you know what? You and I tend to look at that and see that as a huge problem. God sees it as an education. And so God gives us conflict. God gives us setback. God gives us disappointment in order to give us patience. Uh, James says, 
We count as blessed those who are patient, who persevere. Now we'll go back to chapter 1, verse 2. These well-known verses. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So notice the connection between joy and trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's our word. That's the same word that occurs twice in chapter 5 and verse 11. It means to hyperstand, to stand strong, no matter what the situation, no matter what life has brought into your life. And here's what it means. It means you never deny in the darkness what you have affirmed in the light. Your patience with life, your patience, with circumstances. The second thing this looks like is you and I as followers of Christ are patient with people. Now this was the challenge for the prophets. This was a challenge for Jeremiah with unrepentant Israel. Now it says twice, once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, love covers a multitude of sins. So does patience. covers a multitude of sins. And some of you are here today and uh, you think you have a prophetic bent. And so you tend to call people out. Family members, spouse, friends, co-workers. And I want to say to you, be really, really careful because you may end up being really, really lonely. And my experience over the years is sometimes this prophetic bent is a mask for impatience. Look at this statement this mother makes. Things I've lost since becoming a mom. Patience when nice things break. Nice things. Patience. Now, isn't that you and me apart from the Spirit working in our lives? Isn't this you and me apart from walking in our union with Christ? Don't we tend to bite? Don't we tend to lose it? Don't we tend to snap? Don't we tend to lash out? As Shakespeare said, we don't suffer fools gladly. Well, let me switch it. On the one hand, what, what do starting businesses, developing a skill, developing a career, maintaining significant spiritual relationships have in common? Patience. You can't accomplish anything significant without patience. You can't cultivate thick spiritual community without patience. You can't one-click it. We need to be patient with people. Third, this means that most importantly, you are patient with God. There's this vertical thing going on. And this is the example of Job clinging to God, angry as a hornet at God, but clinging to God. 
And it's this patience with God that fuels our patience with life, our patience with circumstances, our patience with people. In James chapter 5, twice we are told, be patient until the Lord's coming, until Jesus returns again. What James is saying is, man, look to Jesus. Wait for Jesus. Rest in Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus because one day, He's going to come again and make everything right. But that day is not today. Not today. So what about that marriage that isn't happening? That relational difficulty, that that job that's disappearing. This, this incredible pressure you feel in the inside. Impatience says to God, your schedule stinks. So we fuss, we fume, and we take shortcuts. Well, marrying this guy is better than nothing, No, it's worse. It's worse. We cheat. We lie. Patience is your public, ongoing, constant public declaration that you believe God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is holy, holy, holy. You know, one of the ironies to me, and this is just a quick sidebar, is all of us desperately want the patience of God. We just struggle with being patient with God. God, give me patience. Now, you know, God, I don't have time. And let me tell you where I see it manifested a lot in the life of believers. Is that we don't have time for significant prayer. I mean, going deep in prayer. We don't have time to slow down and, and, and sit and, and, and to read the Bible slowly and to ask questions and to look into our hearts. We have spiritual ADD. We have impatient hearts. We live in an increasingly impatient culture. But we long for God's patience. We just can't extend the same. So, what do we do? Quickly, a couple of things. First, I want you to understand the danger of patience here. Look at verses 8 and 9. Notice that this linkage that takes place between impatience, grumbling, complaining, and judgment, the judgment of God. And so it raises this question, how can impatient grumbling and complaining be worthy of the judgment of God? How could it possibly be that big a deal? Well, the answer, Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, is that anger and complaining and grumbling is a form of murder. Violation of one of the Ten Commandments. 
And yet if you drop down to verse 11, here's where it gets wonderful because in verse 11 we read that God makes a beeline to bless those that are patient, to bless you, to honor you. Why? Because God knows impatience cuts us off from God. It cuts us off from the blessings of God. In other words, as others point out, impatience is a different religion. It's not Christianity. It's you living and operating and functioning like, you know, I really want God, you to serve me, and I'm in as long as I'm getting my way. Let me say it as strongly as I possibly can. Impatience is paganism. It's manipulating the deity to your advantage. And boy, do we struggle with that. So be aware of the danger. Second, commit to a life of humility, to deliberate acts of humility when you're at that fork in the road. Go back to James chapter 4. Look at verse 13. James chapter 4. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this city or to that city, we're going to go to Chicago, we're going to go to Rockford, you pick. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist, a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if this is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. You've got to love the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us what we want to hear. The Bible tells us we're vapors. Some of us just dress up more. We're vapors. But we want to assume the throne of God because we think we know what we need and when we need it. But humility says, you know what? I'm not going down that fork. I, I, I'm going to go down a different road because I believe God is my father and I'm his son and he is in control. So I'm going to humble myself and submit to God. Now some of you today are in deep pain and you don't understand it. You don't understand why. You have no idea what God is doing. Well, look at chapter 4 and verse 10. What are we to do? How do we respond? James says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. We submit to God. Humility and submission, two sides of the same coin. And finally, and here's the last thing I want to say, I'll end with this. We delight in Christ. You and I don't wake up tomorrow and say, you know, today I'm going to be patient. No, what we can do instead is we can wake up tomorrow and say, Jesus Christ died for me. Can you believe that? And he was raised from the dead. And I am completely forgiven, righteous in my union with Jesus Christ. I'm a new creature. 
And so I'm going to spend the day, whatever I'm doing, my work, wherever I'm going with the kids, I'm going to delight in Christ through it all. Because I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm totally forgiven. So we look to Christ. You delight in Christ. Isn't, after all, the ultimate story of patience, Jesus Christ going to the cross? And he didn't backpedal. He didn't verbally assault. He didn't wilt under that pressure. His suffering was extraordinary. But what did he say? Well, he said in the Garden of Eden, take this cup from me, if you will, but not my will, your will be done. And on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why was Jesus Christ so patient? Answer for us, for you, for me. We are saved through the patience of Jesus Christ. So when you reach that fork, And it hurts. Look to Jesus. Look away. Look away from the horizontal. Look to the vertical. Look to Jesus. See his face. See his sufferings for you. His his unconditional acceptance of you. And persevere. Move ahead. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed at what you have given us in your Son. We are amazed at your patience with us. Forgive us and deliver us from our lack of patience. Would you by your Spirit work and do an extraordinary thing in our lives? So the people around us will see us growing more and more patient. Because you are at work by your spirit. Amen.